Welcome to What Do You Need to Know About God in Today's World. Today, I want to discuss the issue of abortion. For 50 years and longer, we have known man's opinion about abortion, which is we should have abortion on demand. And that's a far cry from what progressives originally proclaimed, which was abortion should be safe, rare, and legal. Now, this issue of abortion has been hotly contested for many years. In my research, I discovered that in 1821, Connecticut became the first state to criminalize abortion. And by the early 1900s, most states had, a, had banned abortion. By 1965, all 50 states had outlawed abortion, with some exceptions varying by state. And throughout the ensuing years, cases were brought all the way up to the Supreme Court, which led to the Roe v. Wade decision in 1973, making abortion a legal right throughout the land. But in recent events, the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade with the ruling that abortion has never been a constitutional right and should never have been a federal law. And the court has sent the issue of abortion back to the states for the people of those states to decide. That is the synopsis of man's view of abortion. But today I want to talk about what is God's perspective of this subject of abortion. Because it is vastly different from that of man's. Of course, you won't hear it on the news. But God's view on this and every topic is expounded in the Bible. And we want to know and align our beliefs and actions with God's word and views because it is to our benefit and it's to our detriment if we reject it. Now, the whole issue of abortion revolves around when life begins and whether or not a child in the womb is merely a fetus or a human being. And that's where we will begin. For abortionists will tell you that a child in the womb is simply a fetus or blob of flesh and is subject to being disposable because it is not a human being. And many will even claim that the child is a fetus all the way up to birth and can be aborted up to and even after birth. But that's man's definition of life in the womb, which is antithetical to God's. Some will say, I don't care about God's views, but God created and governs the whole universe. Thus, he sets the rules, boundaries, and guidelines, which are in effect whether we like them or not. Because life is a paradox, and man cannot even explain his own origins, nor that of the universe, let alone the complexities of life. That is the role of God alone, for he is the creator of all life and all things, and he alone determines when life begins and ends. And according to God in scriptures, life begins at the moment of conception. At the moment that a child is conceived by a sperm and egg, it is life in a human being. In Jeremiah 1.5, God says to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. In Psalm 139, David says, God, you saw my bones being formed as I took shape in my mother's womb. When I was put together there, you saw my body as it was born. All the days planned for me were written in your book before I was one day old. Then David praises God for creating such a phenomenal human body and says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made by God. These scriptures reveal and outline some powerful truths. They reveal that God created us and saw and knew us before we were ever born. And the word knew in Hebrew means to interact with intimately. So before we were ever born or gleaned in our parents' eyes, we had life. 
The scriptures say we, our purpose, mission, and every intricate detail about us was first formed and born in the mind of God and then implanted in our mother's womb. That's why in Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that includes you and all of the unborn too. The master plan of Jesus has uniquely formed you, interacted with you, and has sketched out the roadmap of your life long before you were ever born. So if you're attempting to find a reason for your existence on this earth, know this. No one is just an accident. No one's life is just a result of an unplanned encounter or event. God planned the genetics, year, date, time, place, and parents of your birth. And he has plans to prosper you, to give you an awesome life as he orchestrates events to try to bring you to the works he has appointed unto you, just as he did with the prophet Jeremiah and King David, and just as he is doing in the life of all the unborn. So these scriptures demystify the concept of when life begins and demonstrate that not only Life not only begins at the moment of conception in the womb, but it begins long before the womb because life first begins in the mind of God. Case closed. Now that we have established when life begins, we can dissect all the arguments for justifying abortion. One of the most infamous arguments given for abortion is that the child in the womb is not a human being, but is merely a blob of flesh or a fetus. But God's word just debunked this argument, stating that God knew us as a human being before we were ever born and before he planted us in our mother's womb. And other scriptures further confirm that the unborn are more than just a mere fetus. In the Bible, God never refers to the unborn as a fetus or a blob of flesh. That is a deceptive labeling tactic of the pro-abortion crowd. Instead, God always refers to the unborn as a child or babe, as in Matthew 1.23, where the angel says that the Virgin Mary had conceived a child. And in Luke 1.44, John the Baptist is referred to as a baby in his mother Elizabeth's womb. Moreover, technology and science are now proving to be crucial in revealing the intricacies of the presence of life in the womb. Through ultrasounds, we can see and detect the heartbeat at around three to three and a half weeks of pregnancy, brain waves by six weeks and breathing motions, independent movement, and sensational experiences by eight weeks. And all of the child's physical features, including the sex, hair, and eye color, are present from the very beginning of the unborn child's genetic makeup. The early development of the physical attributes and anatomy of that child in the womb proves that it is a life, and technology is detecting and affirming that life in the early stages. Now, you and I may need an ultrasound to see and detect intricate details of life in the womb, but God does not. So if you're stuck on, is it life or a blob of flesh, err on the side of life. Do like the slogan says and choose life because scriptures, technology, and science have all irrefutably 
proven the viability of the unborn at the moment of conception. For life comes from life, and all life comes from the life of God, who fashions us as a complete human being with purpose before we are ever born. Now, another reason given to support abortion is if the mother's health is in jeopardy. And many years ago, before modern medicine, many women did die in childbirth and their health was in jeopardy. But without modern medicine and technology, health of the mother at childbirth has not been an issue for centuries. And this excuse has become almost non-existent. As a matter of fact, today's claims have been as flimsy as headaches or mental stress and discomfort. And because abortion has been so easily accessible in this country, many women will use inconvenience as an excuse to abort their unborn child. Statistics says that 60% of people who request abortions now are already parents, and some of these are people who simply don't want to have large families. But in spite of these cavalier reasons, and in spite of the fact that modern medicine has virtually eliminated the health of the mother excuse, this argument has still become a linchpin in the liberals' arsenal to promote abortions. It is a sign that they could care less about the life of the unborn. Therefore, as pro-lifers, this is all the more reason to reiterate in this debate the fact that the life of both the mother and child should be equally important. And if such a case does exist, then everything possible should be done not at the expense of the child to callously abort an innocent unborn life who has no say in the matter, but should be done to preserve the life of both the mother and child. For medical advances today do make this possible and makes this abortion justification claim obsolete. Next, another justification given for abortion is if the unborn child has some type of deformity or incurable disease. The implication is that children or people that have some type of disability or disease do not deserve to live, whether in the womb or out of the womb. And some even deem these lives as burdens on their families and on society. But that is a concept that is straight out of hell. Because all life is precious and valuable in the sight of God. In God's sight, we all have birth defects. Sure, we can readily see the obvious physical defects and deformity of others, but make no mistake, we all have our own moral depravity and deformity, for none of us are without blemish and none of us are perfect. In God's eyes, all of us are imperfect beings, which he could abort, but he doesn't, because Christ loves and values us even in our imperfection. And the unborn, disabled child is worthy of our love and affection and is not meant to be disposed of and aborted at the whims of men. The same holds true for the argument of abortion for those who are conceived through rape and incest. Because is an unborn child less a life or a devalued life because he or she was conceived through rape or incest? are born with some type of disease or deformity and so they must be discarded like trash? That's man's perspective, but not God's. These children, like all of us, are still created in God's image and likeness and are a representation of him. 
and they, as we all, have a unique purpose and destiny. And only God knows the divine purpose for which he created these children. Perhaps their purpose is to bring joy or selflessness in the lives of others. Because contrary to popular belief, life is not all about us, but it's also about how we impact the lives of others. So these babies may be despised in the eyes of man, but they are mighty weapons in the hands of an all-powerful God who brings us all to our divine destiny if we allow him to direct our steps. But when we abort them, we kill and murder that life and all the potential contributions and purpose that God implanted in them. Furthermore, when we as pro-lifers consent to abort these God-ordained lives in these so-called exception cases, we agree with abortionists that unborn children are not viable living beings, but are a blob of flesh to be discarded. Instead, let's advocate for the life of all unborn, no matter their birth circumstances, because God doesn't compromise any life. All life is sacred, and so are the lives of these special children, precious and valuable in the sight of Yahweh God. Another justification given by pro-abortionists is found in their mantra, my body, my choice, or translated, it's my right to make decisions about what transpires with my own body. This is true to an extent. God does give us a degree of autonomy in determining what occurs with our bodies and lives, but that is with the caveat. You see, according to God, even our bodies do not belong to us, but to him. God says in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, your body is not your own, but it's his temple. In Ezekiel eighteen four, God says, all souls are mine. So we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to God. And once impregnated, there are two bodies involved. There are two separate lives, mother and child, and they both belong to Christ. And that child has his or her own separate God-given rights, especially the right to life. Women, it is God who formed and made us with the capacity to carry another life, the unborn child, the full term. Since the thing made is always the property of the maker, we and our unborn children are the property of the sovereign creator God. Thus, the claim, my body, my choice, can only be declared by God and not humanity. For all bodies, born and unborn, belong to Christ. He is the author of life, and he alone has the authority and right to terminate our lives. Needless to say, in God's view, there is no justification for abortion. Instead, he has entrusted these priceless treasures to our care and protection. And rather than claiming the right to abortion, we should claim the right to life for all the unborn. Ask yourself, why should they pay for our mistakes? Rather, we must behave responsibly and prevent unwanted pregnancies. We must pursue all available options, such as the use of prophylactics or abstinence and even adoption. There are many pro-life organizations out there that are willing to educate, consult, and help women who are distraught during times of pregnancy. Furthermore, know that God loves you and he loves your unborn child and he is always there to care and provide for you and guide you every step of the way to being a good 
godly parent. Now, there are a few more angles to this abortion movement. One angle is money. The largest abortion provider, Planned Parenthood, gets taxpayer dollars to perform these grotesque procedures and even partial birth and full-term abortion. And these same people who care more about spotted owls than unborn citizens are going to great lengths to keep this a lucrative business. So this trend will only cease when we see babies and all the unborn as God does. Valuable human beings put here to enhance all of our lives. Another angle of abortion is eugenics. Planned Parenthood clinics founded by Margaret Sanger, who advocated abortions on blacks and others she deemed unfit, has been disproportionately planted in black neighborhoods, a signal that they are trying to control the birth rate of these minorities. And there has been a huge decline in the population of blacks in this country. According to census reports, blacks made up 14.6% of the population in 2018, versus 12.4% in 2020 and 12.2% in 2021. Also, black females make up roughly 7% of the population, yet represent 40% of those who've had abortions. And blacks are five times as likely to have an abortion versus other races. These statistics were unheard of decades ago because blacks in the past were God-fearing, church-going people who had a moral component. Now we're exterminating our own race at a larger pace than anyone else due to abortion and black-on-black -black crime. And the population is declining as a whole. In this nation, over the last 50 years, we have deliberately killed and murdered over 60 million babies in their divine purpose. And it's mind-boggling that we would try to justify these killings through abortion which is a diabolical practice and a total departure, reversal, and cancellation of God's promise of life. As a nation, let us take a lesson from nature, because I guarantee you that no farmer just arbitrarily throws seeds away, but they protect, nurture, and nourish their seeds because they know that life is in every seed, and life is in every seed that God plants in the womb. So I thank the Lord for this overturn of Roe v. Wade and that abortion rates are declining as we, as a people, recognize the evils associated with this practice. In conclusion, God is the God of life and living. He is not a God who takes pleasure in abortion and the destruction of life. Christ says in John 10, 10, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. And he expects us to be caretakers over these innocent, vulnerable, precious babies. And when we do so, God will bless us. In Exodus 1, Pharaoh was fearful of the expansion of the Hebrew population. And he commanded midwives to kill all the Hebrew male babies as they were exiting the birth canal. But the Bible says these women feared God more than they feared Pharaoh, and they refused to carry out this order. And the scripture tells us that God blessed and rewarded these women. And if we and our nation want to see the blessings of God upon us, 
we too must refuse this concept of wholesale aborting and killing our young in the womb. We must adopt God's view that these children are our most valuable assets and are the ultimate gift from God. Psalm 127.3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him as arrows in his hands, aimed at his divine purposes. So Lord, give us the same heart of love and compassion that you have towards the life of all the unborn. To view these babies as your divine workmanship, as a blessing from God Almighty to fulfill your purpose on this earth. Instill a holy connection which cannot, which cannot be severed between mothers, fathers, and the children. And help them to know that you will provide for them and their unborn child all their days on this earth and throughout eternity. Let us not believe the devil's lies that some of these babies are expendable, but let us all abandon this culture of death and forever defend these helpless, unborn babies and all children. We draw near to you, Jesus, as you cover us and cover all the unborn, and as you grant us your spirit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Amen.